This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecost Warriors Church on this June the 25th, 2023, with our senior pastor, Farrell Hardison, bringing the message, Victory Over Temptation, part number eight. We'll start off with the praise team and the Pine Level Pentecost Warriors Church Choir. Here's David. Amen. Victory in Jesus. Love 
may be seated.
Yeah, everybody stand up and greet somebody this morning. sounding good. You ain't looking all that good, but y'all sound great, I'm telling you. Amen? Uh, you know, Vacation Bible School is, is um, and Max said it, and I'm saying it, and we don't say it in a negative way, we say it in a very positive way, but it is a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work. And I, I was able to be here uh, almost every night. And I didn't put in nearly the work or time that our volunteers did. And we just love them and appreciate them. And some of them are not with us today. And we've called the rescue. And uh, I know they're tired. And you know what? As hard as they work this week, I'm not going to preach on uh, them not being in church today. Uh, I just appreciate them. A lot of them went on vacation and everything, knowing that this would be a tough week and uh, a busy week. But, man, it was great. It was great. Attendance was great. The attitude, the environment, the culture, the, the spiritual part was just so good. And, and uh, as a pastor, I was just proud as I could be. You know, there's a good pride and a bad pride. And I was proud of our, our folks, our volunteers. Uh, what a great blessing it's been. Um, it really gives you a vision of what children's ministry could be like. And we've already got good children's ministry. But really, when I go through vacation Bible school here at Pine Level, I see what it could be if we'll just stay on track and keep improving as we go along. Amen? It's time to give, uh, uh, worship the Lord with our giving. Um, one request that I did want to mention is uh, Sister Frances. Um, she has been in the hospital this week, but she's home now. And uh, Brother Jerry, where are you at? Good to see you, brother. I see you back there. And uh, Frances was feeling good enough um, that Brother Jerry could come be with us today. And and uh, we love y'all, man. And we love Miss Frances. And, and we're believing God's going to do a miracle of healing in her body. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of detail. Um, Sister Frances has uh, kidney issues. And so let's pray. Do you know God? God can create kidneys. 
Amen, brother. And God can recreate kidneys. He's not only the creator, come on now, he's the recreator. He can make them brand new. He can make them brand new. That's what he did for me spiritually. Amen. Made us brand new when we got saved. And uh, he can do that for us physically. And, and we're believing that for Brother Jerry and Sister Frances Strickland. We love them so much. And others, others. Miss Janie, we miss Miss Janie. Miss Janie has a ministry uh, at the rest home every Sunday. Uh, and I, that's why you don't see her here on Sunday morning a lot. Uh, is because she's there doing ministry. And uh, she has uh, got some issue with her back. And you, anybody know anything about a problem with your back and a nerve down the leg? <laughs> anybody got any? I know probably half of you are more. And I can say amen to that too. But that's what she's dealing with. She does have surgery coming up, it looks like. Uh, but they're, uh, they're not sure when that will be. So just pray for Miss Jane. You know what? Um, I'm glad uh, at our church we're able to mention prayer requests, aren't you? And, and I know if you're a visitor or maybe you came here from a bigger church or whatever you're visiting, they don't do that at your church. But, but there are benefits uh, to, to being a, a smaller church as you get to mention those things in the service and talk about them in more detail. And uh, so pray for our church. And Brother Norman, God's got a miracle for you. Amen. Stand up, brother. Amen. The doctors can't see it. And we got he's got some issues going on, uh, but they did the scan and all, and they couldn't see anything. And so um, uh, we're praying. We're praying that, that that's going to be uh, confirmed and, uh, and that he can go on with his pretty hair. He lost all his hair. And then it all grew back. That's the only thing that offended me about that whole process. But, Brother Norman, we're, we're glad you're be better. And uh, we're believing God, he's going to take care of this situation, just like he did before. You know, um, can I preach just a little bit? I know some of y'all are thinking now. I think y'all already are. Um, you remember Jesus touched the blind man? And he asked the blind man, can you see? And the blind man said, well, I can see, but I see men as trees. And what that meant was he was better in his sight in being able to see, but it was still fuzzy. It was still blurry. That's what that meant if you've ever read that in the Bible. And the Bible says Jesus touched him again. He touched him again. There's a sermon in that right there. So if the Lord has touched you one time, according to my Bible, he'll touch you again. Somebody needs that here today. Amen. 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 Let's stand and dismiss. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of giving. We thank you for the privilege of tithing and giving in our free will offering. We pray that every penny we ever receive in this church will only be used to build your kingdom in this world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So I'll cherish the old.
my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a do our music uh big hand thank you gentlemen i do love you i pick on you all the time but i love y'all all righty so some of y'all have noticed uh this morning that i'm not wearing a coat and i wanted to explain that to you it, it might take me just a minute but i'm gonna tell you why i'm not wearing a coat it's just too hot <laughs> hey is that all right is that a good enough reason Amen. Amen. Um, I will be preaching tonight, but we're going to take a little break tonight from the book that we've been studying, The Beauty of the Balance by Dr. Terry Trammell. We're going to take a little break from that tonight, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about what to do when you have a burden. What does the Bible say I'm supposed to do if the Lord puts a burden on my heart, what am I supposed to do with that burden? So I'll be talking about that tonight. And uh, it appeared uh, back a few weeks ago that I might not be here next Sunday. We have missionaries coming, and don't miss it, y'all. Don't ever stay home because we're going to have a missionary. Uh, the missionary and his wife that we've got Sunday coming... You're going to love them. He's an excellent preacher. She's a sweetheart, Danny and Judith Williams. But I'll be here tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. And uh, then on Sunday night, um, I will continue preaching. Uh, and I'll be here Sunday night. And I, I might have a little bit left on this message. I'm going to start tonight. It might have a little bit left. And I'll give it to you the following Sunday night. Or we might get back into our book. We're just following the Lord, whatever He wants but I just wanted to give you a little uh, a little word there on uh, what's going on and uh, uh, let you know that some things that it looked like were going to happen are not going to happen. And so I'll be with you next Sunday. Um, we're talking about temptation. I don't care who you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much you read the Bible. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how close you get to God. You are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. And if you're thinking right now, I declare I'm just never tempted, then you just were because that's pride. All right? Um, you're tempted. How do, I, how do I know I'm going to be tempted? How do I know you're going to be tempted? Because Jesus was tempted. 
If Jesus was tempted, you can be sure you're going to be tempted. So what we're studying is what do we do? What do we do? What actions do we take to um, uh, deal with temptation, to deal with that battle, to deal with that war? One great preacher that I have tremendous respect for, uh, 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 John MacArthur, said that temptation is the Christian's greatest problem. It is the Christian's greatest problem. So when we overcome, when we get, when we have victory in the area of temptation, that's going to result in us having victory in a lot of other areas of our life. When you have victory in the area of temptation, you're going to have victory in other areas. It's just going to be automatic. So that's why I've taken so much time on this series. This is the last sermon in this um, series, and uh, we'll begin the brand new series next Sunday. I'm, I'm working with a couple of ideas. I'm uh, not real sure which one I'll preach, but I'll let uh, you know. I'll give you a little heads up before next Sunday. Well, we'll have the missionary next Sunday, so it'll be two weeks from today. I'll begin a brand new sermon series, and uh, we'll be letting you know what that is. So we said that if you want to overcome temptation, and I just talked about that a little bit, you've got to look for it. You've got to expect it. It's going to come. You've got to anticipate the fact that you're going to be tempted. I've been tempted at church. Have y'all been tempted at church? Y'all look so holy. I've been tempted at church. I've been tempted before I preach. I've been tempted after I preach. I've been tempted at church in the in the most sacred area a Christian can be in the house of God. I've felt the devil's temptation. And so look for it, expect it. And then when it comes, uh, you won't be shocked. You won't be shocked. And and see if you're not ready for it, you're going to think the temptation itself is a sin. And temptation in and of itself is not a sin, only when you yield to it. The next thing we said was take personal responsibility. When you're tempted to do something, don't blame God, don't blame the devil, don't blame anybody outside of yourself. Look inside yourself and say, why am I battling with that? Why is that a temptation to me? Own it. Take responsibility for it. And then the one we're on now, and I'm going to close with it this morning, close it out this morning, is the biggest one, I think the most important one uh, in overcoming temptation is ask God for help. Ask God for help. What does that mean? Pray. Pray. When you're asking God for help, what are you doing? You're praying. And you've got to learn that prayer is not only a set-aside time in your life, and you may have a set-aside time where you do your praying and maybe you have your devotion every morning or you have it at some other time during the day and you've got a set time. Uh, that's wonderful. We have the uh, prayer meeting that happens here every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. We have that here at the church. You're welcome to come to it. But you've got to learn to pray always. Now, when the Bible says always pray, you're thinking, well, I've got a job and I've got a family and I've got things I've got to do. Well, what that means is it doesn't mean that you have to get down on your knees and be saying a prayer. You can, you can whisper prayers. You can give what I call breath prayers or microwave prayers. Amen? 
Uh, when Millie's cooking up something in the microwave, it ain't quite as good as the other kind. But it's, it's good if you're real hungry and want something quick. And that's how life is. Uh, you, you can be at work and have a temptation. You can be on the road, amen, amen, and have a temptation. You can be in a restaurant and have a temptation. Uh, you can be wherever, school, wherever, and a temptation will come. And here's what you've got to learn to do. You've got to learn to ask God for help. You've got to learn to say, God, don't let me react wrong to this. Uh, Lord, uh, bring under subjection uh, through your Holy Spirit what I'm tempted to say or what I'm tempted to do or how I'm tempted to react. You've got to learn before you react to something, say, God, strengthen me. God, help me. God, bring my flesh under the control of your Holy Spirit. So we've got to ask God for help. Now, I gave you some scriptures last week, and, and we talked about uh, uh, how all that works. And I want to continue that uh, this morning. And I don't believe my sermon's going to be very long today. I've got a lot fewer notes than usual. So y'all y'all have hope. Y'all have hope this morning. Um, let me just say this. Most of you know this, but some of you may be new in the Lord. As you grow in the Lord, as you mature in the Lord, as you get closer to God over time, and, and let me just say right there that it's possible for a lot of time to pass and you don't get any closer to the Lord. You have to practice disciplines like prayer, like Bible study, like uh, uh, being in church and serving other people. You have to practice disciplines that draw you nearer to the Lord or you'll drift away. There's an old hymn, uh, I, I can't remember the title, but I think I remember the line in it. It says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What? I don't know what hymn that's in. Prone to wonder, W-A-N, not wonder. But wonder, W-A-N-D-E-R. That's how we are. We're what? We're God's little lambs. We're sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Why? Because they're, let me tell you about sheep real quick. And I've done this before, but I need to insult y'all one more time. Uh, so let me tell you four things about sheep. I think I remember it. Sheep, uh, you know, God calls us his little lambs. You know, we're his little sheep. And, and we just look at that and go, oh, I think that's so sweet. Jesus called me his little lamb. I'm his little sheep. Well, let me tell you about sheep. They're dumb. <clears throat> sheep are real dumb. Have you ever been to a circus and seen a sheep trick? Mm-mm. No. They don't know how to do nothing. They're dumb. Uh, they're, they're, they're dumb. Uh, Y'all welcome. I, you're welcome. Yeah, they're, I'm one too. Bah, I'm one. Uh, sheep are dumb. Their sheep are defenseless. They don't even have a stinger like a bumblebee. They don't have a claw like a bear. They don't have teeth like a lion. They don't really have any defense. The shepherd is their defense. Amen? The shepherd is their defense. So the sheep, dumb as a rock, don't have any way to protect himself. He's defenseless. Another thing about sheep is they uh, have no sense of direction. That's why the Bible, that's why 
let me say, that's why there's a crook in a shepherd's staff. There's a crook in it. And the reason that is, that, I mean, they'll take a, 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 a limb or a small tree and they will take that and soak it in hot water and boil it until they can bend that tree and tie, tie it and then put it somewhere, let it dry like that. And then, it, then it's a, a, a limb or a tree with a crook in it like that. Y'all seen, y'all seen that, pictures of that. Jesus walking along with the sheep and he's got the, well, the reason he's got that crook is because he's all the time having to go out there and pull sheep back in. It's all the time having to go out and put it around their neck and put it around their, their body and pull them back in so they won't get out there in danger. They have no sense of direction. The Bible talks about the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 and how God said, I will leave the 99 that are safe and go after the one that is lost. The Lord said that. So they have no sense of direction and... Uh, uh, we are God's little lambs. I think there's one more. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but but we are God's little lambs, and we're God's little sheep, and uh, we drift. We are prone to wander. Now, now, I don't know if y'all saw my grandson. Uh, I thought, I know he's saved, but I saw the other night he is definitely not sanctified. Because at Bible school, he thought all this up here was for him. And that y'all need to go into the house. He don't even know why y'all are here. And he's going to get on that Jeep. I'm telling you, and when he got told that he could not get on that Jeep, he acted just like a church man. He acted just like a, a child. <laughs> y'all know what I started saying. Acted like a preacher is what he did. And, uh, and boy, I'm telling you, he threw, and this is Greek word for mad, a conniption. And uh, Papa had to take him outside, and I'm not his daddy, so I didn't dance with him. But I'm going to tell you, I've danced with his daddy a few times, and, and I would have danced with him if I had, to be, if I had been his, his daddy. But uh, he just couldn't understand why that thing was. So he's, when, when Liam is so, he's prone to wander. <laughs> he's got a personality. He wants to meet all of you. He wants to talk to all of you. Uh, he wants something from all of you, so he's going to make a good preacher. He, uh, he, he is all about himself, but he is friendly about it. He's pretty friendly about it, unless he can't get what he wants. And then he has a conniption. He's wandering. So sometimes we have to really reel him in, and he really has a fit when we have to reel him in. Well, in a way, we're like that. We're, it's, listen, it's not our nature to be close to God. Your, your nature that you inherited from Adam is to get away from God, is to not approach God. It's in me. It's in Billy Graham, or it was. It was in Paul. Remember what we read last week? The good, Paul said, the good I want to do, I don't do it. And the bad I don't want to do, I do it. He had that nature in him. That nature is in us, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so we need his power to stay where we need to be spiritually. Now, when you first get saved or when you get saved, God begins in you a work of sanctification. Now, that word sanctification means set apart for service. 
Something sanctified has been set apart, in our case as Christians, it's been set apart from the world to serve the Lord. So when you get saved, that begins when you get saved. And then there's a crisis moment when you come to the altar and you realize, and I believe a lot of people today in this service are going to have that crisis moment where you're going to start thinking more about sanctification and what it means in your life. Now, I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me. Please listen to me this morning. Sanctification will solve many, many, many of your problems in this life. It will solve many problems. We don't talk about sanctification enough. We don't preach on sanctification enough. We don't teach on sanctification enough. But I'm going to teach on it this morning. I'm not going to keep you here long, but I want to teach on it just a little bit. Because if you get this down pat that I'm preaching today, and if I get this down pat, and if Miss Millie, who needs it so bad, if she gets this down pat, if we all get this down pat, it's going to solve regular life problems for us. Y'all know, y'all know what we've done? We have categorized and we're wrong to do it. I've done it. We're wrong to do it. I take care of these problems and God takes care of these problems. And we've got a list of things over here we don't think we need to talk to God about. We don't think we need to rely on God for it. And over here we got these things we do think about and we do think, well, yeah, now that's a God thing. But all this stuff over here, it's my, it's me. It's my stuff. I'll take care of this over here. Let me tell you something. It all belongs to the Lord. Every challenge you have, every difficulty you have, every single one of them. When I can't find my keys, one of the first things I do is go, Jesus, help this sheep who can't find his keys because they wander. My keys wander. Help me find these keys. And you know what? He helps me. He helps me. And when I find them, they're usually hanging on the key thing. But I, I'm telling, listen to me. I, I want y'all to get, pray about everything. Pray about everything. You say, but, but it'd be stupid to pray about something. No, it's not stupid to pray about anything. If one of your children came to you as a daddy or mama, and said, I know this is crazy, but I need to talk to you all about this. Wouldn't you welcome them? Wouldn't you welcome them to come talk to you about it? And, un- and under underneath, you might have, be having a little giggle about it, you know. But to them, they need your guidance. They need your help. They need your assistance. And you would never mock them or make fun of them. You would receive it. I'm telling you all right now, You need to learn to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Everybody say this. Pray Pray. about everything. everything. Amen. Amen. Period. Dot. (laughs) So what are y'all going to pray about? All right. Don't make me come to your house. But as we grow as Christians, as we grow and develop, you're going to become more like Christ. You're going to become more like Christ. And as you become more like Christ, you remember last week we talked about that uh, automatic co-pilot thing, that, those, those uh, 
settings inside of you that want to go the wrong way, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you'll, you'll go the right way. And there are, there are uh, temptations you have now uh, that are another level because you've overcome those other temptations and they don't even tempt you anymore. Listen to me. That's spiritual growth. That's spiritual growth. If you used to be tempted to drink and party and, and go to the bars and hang around with the people who don't love the Lord and don't love the church and don't love the Bible, and now you're not tempted by that anymore, that's because you grow up spiritually. And it's, it's another reason for it. It's because some of y'all are too old to stay out past about 7.30 or 8 o'clock. But as you grow, your desires... And I know I've said this over and over, but the things Jesus hates, you'll start hating them. And the things Jesus loves, you'll start loving them. That is sanctification. That is what the work of sanctification accomplishes in you. Now let's get in the Word and let's look at what it says. John 17, verse 15. John 17, verse 15. Jesus prayed for the sanctification of his disciples. He prayed they would be sanctified. Now, if, if they were his disciples, and you know what a disciple is? It's, it's a learner. Here's what one preacher said about what a disciple is. He said a disciple is somebody who follows somebody else wanting to become like the person they're following. Amen. Amen. If it's Jesus, amen. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you're a disciple of Jesus. And, you are, and you're to uh, uh, practice those disciplines in your life that draw you closer and closer and closer to him. So let's look at this prayer. Jesus prayed for his disciples or for us that his disciples would be sanctified. He said to the Father, Jesus said to the Father, I pray not, in other words, I, I don't want this to happen. I pray not that thou, Father, Father God, shouldest take them out of the world. So God knows Pharaoh has a battle with the world. David has a battle with the world. Our youth pastor Brian has a battle with the world. We all battle the world. And Jesus says, I, I pray, Father, not that you would take them out of the world, but basically that you would take the world out of them, and that's what sanctification is. Look what he says. I pray not, Father, that you would take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. That's sanctification. Now listen to me. We said last week, willpower is not enough to keep you from sinning. You must be supernaturally assisted by God. I'm telling you right now, if you get saved and you're going to live the Christian life on your own, it's kind of like you got your little ticket to heaven, and you're going to live your Christian life by willpower, first of all, you're going to be extremely frustrated, and then over a period of time, we're going to look around, and you're not going to be here because you're going to have given up. Because you've been trying to do this thing on your own. And I'm telling you, you cannot live holy on your own. 
I need help to live holy. I don't care how determined I am. I don't care if I get up and read all the 66 laws that are listed, 600 and some laws in the Bible, and read them all and try to obey them. I can't do it. I can't obey God completely on my own. How am I going to obey God and live a holier life? By His help. And His help is called sanctification, the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. We need sanctification. And the church said, verse 16, he says, Lord, now this is what he's talking about us right here. My disciples are not of, of the world. And the reason they're not of the world is because of their faith in me. They've been saved. So they're not of the world. The minute you get saved, you become a foreigner down here on earth. Y'all hear me? In the book of Hebrews, it says we are not of this world. We are sojourners. Once you got saved, you're on a journey to heaven. This is not your home. The moment you're saved, this is not your home anymore. That's why you feel, once you become a Christian, you feel so odd in this world. You feel so so uh, 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 unsatisfied in this world. You feel like a fish out of water. You, you just feel like you don't belong here anymore. And good, because that's how you're supposed to feel once you're saved. Look what Jesus said, verse 16. They are not of this world because they are saved. The reason they're not of this world is because they've received me and I'm not of this world. Look at verse 17. Here it is. Everybody see it? What does he say? First two words. Sanctify them. Sanctify them. Jesus prayed for his disciples to be sanctified. Sanctify them. How are we sanctified? Through thy truth. Thy word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, thy word is truth. Verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, now because they're saved, Lord, even so I have also sent them into the world. Verse 19, and for their sakes, you know what that means? For their good, for their good, to help them, to assist them. For their sake, I sanctify myself. And Jesus was talking about there. He says, I, I gave myself a holy sacrifice for them. He said that they, I, I sanctified, gave myself a holy sacrifice as a holy sacrifice. Now he says, I sanctify uh, uh, that they rather uh, also might be sanctified or made holy or set apart through the truth. Now I need to say something here and I want you to receive it. As Pentecostals, as Pentecostals, we want an experience to solve all our problems. We want to come up to the altar and have an experience. And look, I'm fine with that. I love it when y'all come to the altar and praise the Lord and lift your hands. And I love Brother James, you bless me in the choir when you throw that hand up. And I, I like the way you don't put it up like this. But you get on up there. Amen. I like it. 
and uh, and I love that, and I enjoy the Lord, and I feel the Lord, and and I love to respond, and hallelujahs, and the gifts of the Spirit operating. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to be sanctified, it's going to be through the Word of God, not just the Holy Spirit doing a work in you, which is vital, but you knowing what the Bible says, knowing the truth. You're sanctified through the Word of God, through truth. See, we we want, and I, I remember when it used to be like this, we want to come to the altar and have the preacher lay his hands on us and a few other people that we consider to be spiritual, and we want to have a shouting spell and an emotional spell, and we want to call that being entirely sanctified or sanctified, that's fine. We're not going to keep that from happening. We're not going to prevent that from happening. But I want you to know something. There are no shortcuts to holiness. If you think you can have an experience that allows you to stay out of the Word, well, I ain't got to get in the Word because I went to the altar, and boy, I tell you, I fell on the floor, and, and I had all this, so I don't really need to study the Bible. I want you to hear me. It's wonderful when God moves. I love to see Him move like that. But you, if you really have an experience with God in this altar at Pine Level or anywhere else, it's going to make you love the Bible more. Come on now. It's going to make you love the Word of God more. See, if you have some kind of experience and you leave and you don't love the Bible, you don't love Jesus any more than you did before you had your little spell, then that was fake. That wasn't real. A real Pentecostal experience in an altar of prayer results in a more dedicated heart, a holier life, a love for the Scriptures, and a love for the Lord. An increased love, an increased dedication, an increased uh, appreciation and, and valuing those things as precious. Does that make sense? So we'll shout all you want to, and we'll speak in tongues, and we'll do all those things the Bible talks about. But when those experiences happen, it ought to change how we live. That's good preaching. So uh, he says uh, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Now, look at verse 20, and then we're done with that, and we'll move on to another. Neither pray I for these alone. In other words, I don't pray just for these disciples, but I'm, I'm praying for Pharaoh when he becomes a disciple. I'm praying for Brian when he becomes a disciple. I'm praying for James when he becomes a disciple. I'm praying for Jeff when he becomes a disciple. So what Jesus is clarifying here is that this sanctification is not just for these disciples, but the disciples to come. So look what it says. Neither I pray thee for these alone to be sanctified, but for them also which shall believe on me. Who's learning something this morning? Who's learning something? Future believers through their word. In other words, through the teaching of the word of God. I want Farrell to be sanctified. I want Brian to be sanctified. I want Jeff to be sanctified. I want this for my people. I want this for my disciples. Everybody say this. I want to be sanctified. Dear Lord, sanctify me. Teach me how to surrender to your power 
in my life. 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to go through the rest of this real quick. It's just 11.30. The Baptist ain't about to even begin to let out. The Methodist might be, but 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. Look what it says. Everybody read the first part with me. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. People always go, what's God's will? How do I know God's will? Man, I tell you, preacher, if I knew God's will, I'd do it. Right there it is. Right there it is. You know, most people want a, a, some kind of written in the sky, uh, the will of God for their life. They want to get up in the morning and just see some writing in the sky telling them what God's will is. It's like the, it's like the uh, boy that... Uh, Grew up a long time ago on the farm, and he hated it. He hated farming. He couldn't stand it, sweating the dirt, getting up early and going to bed late. He hated farming. And he was out in the middle of the field one day plowing with a mule, and it was about 102. And he looked up in the sky, and somehow an airplane or whatever, it said GP. GP. And he dropped that plow. He began to weep. He ran in there to his daddy and mom. He said, Mom and Daddy, I've got to leave you. And they said, well, what in the world, son? He said, I've got to leave. I've got to go. He said, God wrote in the sky, GP. And that means go preach. Go preach. His daddy said, that don't mean go preach. It means go plow. Get right back out there and plow that field. Most of us want to know God's will that way. But listen, God's will is in the Bible. God's will is clear. It's in the Bible. You say, I mean, I mean, I know that, preacher, but I mean, if I'm supposed to buy something or not buy it, or if this is the right boyfriend or not, or if this is the right girlfriend or not, or I just want to know God's will about all that. Well, I tell you what you do. You get close to the Lord, and he'll guide you in all those things. He'll guide you in all those things. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Listen to this now. So Thessalonica, Thessalonica was a, a city that its culture was very permissive. Anything was okay, especially in the, listen to what I'm about to say. Especially in the realm of sexuality. If you think the nasty filthiness that we see today is it's all just happened recently, and it, sometimes it feels like that because it's got so bad, but Thessalonica had the same problem, sexual sin. And I want you to look what he says. He said, for this is the will of God, uh, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from not sin, but a specific sin. What was it? Fornication. Fornication. Fornication is when two people who aren't married have a physical relationship that is only uh, approved after marriage. Y'all know what I just said? I'm trying to be delicate here. So fornication is when a boy who's not married and a girl who's not married get together and act like they're married. 
That's sin. Man, it's quiet in here. That is sin. It is sin to have sexual relations with somebody you're not married to. And it is a sin for people of the same sex to have sexual relations. That is a sin. Now, we don't stammer and stutter. A lot of churches, a lot of preachers are going to stammer and stutter. Huh? Well, you know, I, I don't want to hurt nobody. Well, I, don't, I just got to tell you what the Bible says. And what Paul said was, if you have relations with somebody, intimate relations, and you're not married, that's fornication. Adultery is when married people are unfaithful. A man, run, a man who's married running around with a woman who's married and they're not married to each other. That's adultery. And it is a sin. Well, preacher, um, if I if I marry him, I'm gonna lose some money that I'm getting from the social security people. And and so I've talked to the Lord about y'all. I hear this all the time. I'm not lying. I hear it all the time. People saying to me, I know it's wrong but I would lose some Social Security money. Then don't lay with him. Don't lay with her. Don't sleep together. Don't stay in the same house. Man, y'all, either y'all are under conviction or y'all can't hear me. So what helps you not to commit sexual sin or any other kind of sin? Sanctification. It is the will of God, Father, that even, uh, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, Pharaoh Hardison, so that, Pharaoh Hardison, the sin of fornication will never happen in your life. The sin of adultery will never happen in your life. We need a revival of sanctification in these days we live in. It is rotten out there. And it's creeping in here. I ain't talking about Pine Level specifically, but I am talking about Pine Level Church when I include the whole church. That's why you can't preach on these kind of things anymore. I'm preaching on this morning. Preachers are fired Preachers are, deacons meetings are held on Sunday afternoons if a preacher preaches like this. I love y'all. I appreciate you because you will let me preach the word of God as it is in the Bible. And when I preach it as it is in the Bible, listen, it falls on me too. The very things that I preach that convict you, I preached and they convict, convict me. I'm like one old preacher said, he said, uh, I've preached myself under conviction a many a time. How is that? Because what he's preaching isn't his word. It's God's word. I can't shake my leg like I used to. I have to get it back to the ground pretty quick. But I can't. I'm st- if I'm holding the pulpit. All right, one more scripture and then we're done. One more scripture. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 13, and then, we're, then I'm done. 
It's 24 minutes to 12. We're we're in good shape. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. So Paul knew how to preach hard, but he also knew how to tell them, I love you. He said, I'm bound to give thanks always for you folks. And that's how I feel toward y'all. I feel like that toward y'all. I love y'all so much. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, and might I add, sistering. <laughs> hey, when you guys are saying brethren and sistering, make sure you say sistering. Don't say cisterns. Because a cistern is a big old thing that holds a lot of water. And do not ever call a woman a cistern. Come on, guys, it's sistering. <laughs> I just got the skunk eye from three women. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. And uh, Paul's saying there, not only do I love you, the Lord loves you. Beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. In other words, that doesn't mean that there are some people that are chosen that can be saved and other people that are uh, chosen ahead of time, they can't be saved. And I know that's a very popular preaching, but I want you to know that I don't believe that preaching. I believe anybody can be saved. I believe all men and all women have been called to be saved. Amen. Uh, But then look what it says. Through what? Say, say it loud. Through of the what? Capital S? Holy Spirit. See, I got a spirit too, and the Bible mentions my spirit, but it's a little S. It is not a capital S. So here's, let me make sure you get this. Everybody focus on this just a minute. He's saying that sanctification is not your willpower to live holy. He is saying sanctification, the work of sanctification, is not you uh, just being real determined, and it's good to be determined and all that, but you can't live holy on your own. He said it is sanctification by, would really have been a better word than of, same thing, but by the Spirit. You are sanctified by the Spirit. I can't sanctify you. You can't sanctify you. Only He can sanctify us. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the best sermon I've ever heard. And then at the end it says, And belief of what? See, there it is again. You're sanctified by the truth, by the Word of God. Now, I want you to know that the way you overcome temptation is, first of all, expect it because you're going to have it. I don't care how holy you are, you're going to have it. The next thing is to don't blame other people for your failures. Take personal responsibility. And this last one is, if you want to live holy, if you want to overcome sin and temptation in your life, 
ask God for help. Now, I want you to look at this last scripture. I think I gave it to Jenny. I can't remember if I gave it to her or not. Psalm 50, verse 15. Now, look. I want you to claim this verse for yourself this morning. I want you to claim this verse for yourself. I want you to say, and I know God was talking to a lot of people in this verse, but I want you to say this verse... We can do better than that now. This verse is for me. This is God's word to me. Look what it says. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God don't lie. God don't lie. And God said, Pharaoh Hardison, when you're troubled, temptation, uh, maybe you've been criticized, maybe you got a financial bill you didn't know you were going to have, which happened to us this week. Uh, whatever is troubling you, especially if you're being tempted to sin, call on me. Call on me, and I will deliver you. I will. Maybe, possibly. No. He said, I'll deliver you. Do you think there would ever be a situation where you were being tempted to sin and you said, God help me? And he went, not this time. No. No. He'll, he'll deliver you from that temptation every time. Now, he may not take that whole desire and that whole temptation away from you, but he will give you enough power to overcome it. He said, and then when you do that and you see I helped you do it and you overcome that thing, you will glorify me. Well, I don't know what it looks like when y'all glorifying God, but when I'm glorifying God, it looks something like this. He said, when, when you're about to sin and you call on me, I'll deliver you. And when I deliver you, You'll shout. That's about as long as I can do that right there too. You will rejoice. You will, come on, say it. What does it say? You will glorify me. Amen. I'm telling you guys, you get a hold of this truth, it'll change your life. So just start praying during the day. Even if you have to pray it like this, Jesus, sanctify me. Sanctify me, Jesus, right now. Y'all prayed it like that sometimes. <laughs> I have to. And I've heard Millie up there on that side of the car going, help him sanctify him, Jesus. <clears throat> Pray for it, y'all. Come on. Let's live holier. Let's live holier. Let's live righteous in this rotten world. Let's live pure in this rotten world. Let me ask you something. If we do that, do you think it would stand out in this world? Absolutely it will. And here's two things that will happen. People who hate righteousness will hate you more. But people who are seeking the Lord will be saved by your life and your words. They'll be saved. Let's all stand. Man, 
I have enjoyed preaching this morning. I don't know whether y'all enjoyed it, but I am going to listen to it on the way home. Y'all come on up here and let's close. You know what? I don't think I need to say a whole lot after you got up, after you get up here. I don't really have much more to say. Brother Thomas, what you got for us? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to I love him so. I love him so. I love him so. I love him so. He's so good to All right, now listen to this. Listen to this right here. The Bible says, if you love me, Jesus said. Y'all remember what I'm about to say? If you love me, there's something you'll do, he said. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll keep my commandments. Now listen, I want you to listen to me. It's so important. You can't keep the commandments of God without God's help. You can't fulfill the promises of God or the commandments of God you can't fulfill them. You say, but if God said it, he expects me to do it. That's exactly right. But you can't do it. He will empower you to do it. He will enable you to do it. If God says, Pharaoh Hardison, be ye holy, for I, the Lord, your God, is holy. And the Bible does say that to me. Pharaoh, be holy because I'm holy. Well, I can't be holy like him. So how do I live holy in the way he expects? I live close to him. I live near him. I don't, I don't drift away. And if I do feel myself drift away, I do something about it right off the bat. I can't obey God. I can't do what he tells me to do if he don't help me. That's sanctification. Sanctification is God helping you to live holy. So I want you to learn to pray about it. And don't just pray. Don't just say the words. But, but when you say, Lord, sanctify me. You say, but what if I got sanctified the day before? Well, trust me, you're going to need to get sanctified today too. Every day of your life, you're going to need the work of sanctification operating in your life. And when you fall, and you will. And when you stumble, and you will. And when you mess up, and you will, you just go back to God. Listen to me. You will never find God like this.
you always find God like this. So when you fall and when you stumble, and when you, let's go ahead and say it, when you sin, repent of your sin. Because if you don't repent of your sin, it will get roots down and it'll get harder and harder and harder to turn your back on sin. Those roots will get down. If you're, if you're uh, bitter, if you've got bitterness in you, that will just get deeper and deeper and deeper and you can't root it out. You'll get to where, and what happens, you, you get to where you're not even asking God to help you. You don't want to. You don't want God to help you. Remember we talked about that? We love our sin. And when you let those roots get down deep, you get to where you don't even pray. You'd rather not pray than to pray and feel the conviction for it. So nip it in the bud. Uh, Prophet Barney Fife said that. Nip it in the bud. And that's good spiritual stuff, isn't it? When you sin, when you fall, deal with it right then. Right then. Amen. I love y'all. Go have a great afternoon. And come on back tonight. I'm going to be preaching on what to do with a burden. When you get a burden, what do I do with it? I'm going to talk about it tonight. Well, come on back. Six o'clock. Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.